Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Hi, my name is Andrea Tice, and I work with 1819 News. You haven't necessarily heard my voice before on this podcast, but recently I was able to sit down along with my co-host Don Keith and interview Herbie Newell and his wife, Ashley, about what Lifeline is doing here in our home state of Alabama, as well as beyond. Herbie Newell is the uh, president, executive director of Lifeline Children's Services. Ashley is uh, your spouse, and I assume associated with the organization as well. She's the reason we're here. So she was the assistant director of Crisis Pregnancy Center here locally in Birmingham. And uh, she is the passion behind what we do. And she, we always say she's our best volunteer at Lifeline. When I went to Sanford, I decided to major in human development and family studies. But with that, then I started volunteering at Save a Life, which is a local crisis pregnancy center here in Birmingham. And I started out just answering the phone. And then I realized that I had such a heart for the women that were walking through the door. And so I I wanted to take it further than just answering the phone. And so then I went through their counselor training program and just got involved in all the different aspects of their ministry from they have parenting classes, they have abstinence education in the schools. I loved one-on-one counseling with the women in the counseling room. And I think too, it just, you know, it helps us to that, part of my life helped me realize that, you know, behind these women that are in the crisis pregnancy is they're very scared and they don't know what to do. And so we were able to talk to them about options. And so I think today when, you know, you see the the side of calling themselves pro-choice and then our side being called pro-life, well, we actually also have choices. There are choices. Once they make a choice for life, there's two choices to parent or to place their baby for adoption. And so talking with the women about that, you have choices. We want you to realize that you have choices in that. And um, then my senior year, the position came available to be the assistant director, and I applied for that and then was able to go into that position as soon as I graduated. And I stayed at Save a Life for three years until I had our first child, and then I took early retirement, as my husband says. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yes, but I really enjoyed my time there. And uh, at night, you know, we'd come home. At the time, Herbie was working in an accounting firm, and we would come home and say, you know, how was your day, And, and talk about different things. And I think just through our conversations and prayers uh, for the women that I ministered to, that our hearts really grew for the woman and also for her baby, but but especially for the woman. And then the position at Lifeline came open and Herbie felt led to apply and applied. And then that was 19 years ago. So, 19 years. Yeah. So jumping over to Herbie for a second, yeah. you, you, Lifeline was already established and then you came in as CEO or a director of That's sorts right. after being in accounting. And wow, tell us about that. That seems like a, kind of quite a shift. Yeah, it, it, in a sense, it was a shift. You know, I think Ashley downplays herself just a little bit, right? So uh, she had two friends in high school who had gone through unexpected pregnancies. Uh, she had a passion for women in crisis, even with her story. I mean, she just, she exuded empathy and love and passion and care for those. And so 
at the dining room table and ended up being debits and credits were nowhere near as interesting mm-hmm. as these life stories, right, you know, and right. the, the real life adventures that she was living out each and every day at the pregnancy center. So I probably was a little bit more of the, the rudderless ship in a sense of, of believing that the Lord was calling me to some sort of ministry, but not knowing exactly what that was. And, but also having this love for business having this love for starting things, kind of being even a chronic entrepreneur in high school, starting little different businesses or different ventures. So how do you mix ministry and kind of this chronic entrepreneurship? So I went to Sanford University as well. But when I went, I was just counseled, don't go get a seminary, get a seminary degree if you want to do religion, but don't get any other type of degree, get a business degree, which was great for me. I loved business. That seemed like something to do at the time. And Shout out to our alma mater. They have tons of business degrees now. At the time I was there, it was business management or accounting. And accounting seemed to be much more in the entrepreneurial space of if you could if you could help think about profitability and, and, and do an income statement and a budget, then you're probably going to be able to help to know if a startup or if something entrepreneur was going to work. So I did accounting, practiced accounting for several years. And then the Lord was just starting to show us through dining room, conversations, conversations over dinner, that this passion that God had placed in her heart, put her in a vocation, was really something he was calling our family to. Because a lot of the questions we had around the dining room table were were really challenging our core belief, right? Here's a woman who has no hope. She's impoverished. There's no support system. But, but we still believe she should choose life. So what are we going to do now? Like, what do we do now that we've told her you should choose life and she chooses life? As believers, what's our next course of action? As people of life, what's our next course of action? And so it just was an an instant kind of follow-up to the work she had been doing of saying, let's join a ministry and be part of something that's going to help these children once they're born and it's going to help these women once they give life to these children. Lifeline Children's Services and their staff of 200 does almost everything you can imagine to be there for vulnerable children and women. They've placed over 4,300 children up for adoption, have helped over 2,000 orphans, trained over 1,400 families to become foster parents, and provided almost 7,000 hours of counseling. And in those moments of desperation, when women consider aborting their child, how does Lifeline help them choose life? I think a lot of it is ongoing counseling. So that's what we do at Lifeline is it's not just one time that we're meeting with a birth mother. It's ongoing. We like to have as much time as possible with her throughout her pregnancy to talk with her about all these different things. So if she's made a choice for life, then helping her realize parenting is pretty difficult. And if you have goals for yourself and you want to perhaps finish school or go to school or have a job or anything else you may not this may not be the right time in your life to parent but you can also choose life for your child and place them with a family who can raise your child and helping them see that choosing life and placing their baby for adoption is the most heroic thing that they can do yeah i think that's where we need pro-life people to say we're ready and willing and able to come around those moms i think the biggest thing that i would say Uh, to that woman even, is one thing, show her the life that's inside of her and not just show it to her now. The great thing is we can get Doppler 
sound of a heartbeat very, very early now and let her hear that sound of that heartbeat. This millennial generation is one of the most pro-life generations that has ever been around because they can now see and hear inside of the womb things that in 1973, when the court was making the decision of Roe versus Wade, we didn't have that information. We have so much more. I had a good friend, Karen Purvis. She said, I love it when science begins to catch up with God. We now have so much more information to show a woman that this is a living breathing human being inside of your womb. So the next question then is, what does abortion do for you? All abortion does for you is take the life of this child inside of your womb. It takes the life of another. Does it help you become you know, more successful? Does it get you a job? Does it get you out of the relationship that's abusive? Does it get you out of your systematic destruction? Does it get you to a place where now you're going to walk out and go to college? The answer is no. All it does is take away your child. So this whole lie that's comprehensive women's health care is just that. It's a lie. But when you're trying to defend a lie, all you can do is lie more about the lie. But when you're standing on truth, truth begins to beget truth. And so what we would tell women and help them see is we want to come around you. And we want to help you physically, we want to help you emotionally, we want to help you spiritually. That's why we need pro-life people in the church to say, we want to be there for the long haul. We want to stand with that woman when it's tough, when it's hard, when it's difficult. We want to help her find a job. We want to help her to, to get an education. Some of the most beautiful stories of, of Sunday school classes in our churches that are providing free child care for a woman so she can go to school, so she can get a job, so that she can start to support for herself. That's helping her and actually holistically helping a woman a whole lot more than abortion ever does. And to Ashley's point, we've had the opportunity here, even in Alabama, to go into Planned Parenthood, to go into the abortion clinics and say, hey, we're not going to say one thing about abortion, but can we tell you about adoption? And almost every single one of them has shut the door because they don't want to hear anything that would dissuade a woman from abortion. And so I just want to use the word against them. That's not pro-choice. That's pro-abortion. I I was just about to say it is such a misnomer because they only have one choice. Right. Where so that's not a choice. Exactly. You know, it's 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 pro something else, pro-abortion, but it's definitely not pro-choice. That's right. Uh, Whereas pro-life is also equally Mm pro-choice because we at least give two options. Right. That's right. Um, Or a a kind of a conglomeration of different options. What I love about what you just said, Herbie, is basically when you're getting the church people, Christians involved, it's calling the church to become what it was supposed to be. That's right. It's calling it to become the community, the network the 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 arms and feet of Jesus yes. in the real world, That's right? right? That's right. On the ground. And so basically what this crisis is doing is just expanding people's faith mm-hmm. and their faith in action. Hmm. Well, and I think too, you know, obviously abortion ends the life of a child, but it's also detrimental to the woman. And so many people don't think about that. They just think, oh, I'll just go and and abort my baby, and then I can move on with my life. But the statistics show that if a woman aborts a baby, the likelihood for her to have a second, third, fourth unplanned pregnancy is astronomical. Whereas if a woman places a baby for adoption, what's the t- statistic? 75% less likely to, to have, another. To, to have wow. another one because it is a harder choice. 
Because like you said, they go the nine months and then they have to make that decision of, I see this baby and now I'm choosing to place it because I'm recognizing that this family can give this child something that I can't. But I think it's just important to note that it's abortion is detrimental to women. When I worked at Save a Life, we, Save a Life, we used to have abortion recovery groups, and that was for any woman, anybody in the community who had had an abortion and wanted to go through a healing class to go deeper and dive into that, what that had done to her emotional and mental health. And, you know, the suicide rates are higher, the depression rates are higher, anxiety. Um, abortion is not a pleasant procedure and it there the noises that are associated with it then can cause PTSD in women later when they're perhaps having a dental procedure done or some other procedure done and so it it haunts them and so what they think is a simple easy quick solution really affects them for the rest of their life it's a lifelong trauma yes. to your emotional being and your soul exactly and um and and the people that are offering abortion don't even touch on that it, i was they, wondering right. yeah does planned parenthood tell people know. that absolutely i've not. never heard those statistics and those absolutely are amazing not. well and too you know it, it's so disheartening when when we hear that oh the pro-life movement doesn't care anything about the woman well actually we do we care so much about you that we wouldn't want you to do this to yourself because now you're going to have to live with the consequences of that for the rest of your life. And they're trying to sell even that chemical abortion is easier because you just take a pill. But we work with organizations. We're part of a national coalition of pro-life organizations. And some of our partners, Human Coalition, have a national hotline. They say they get hundreds of calls a week from women that said, I just took the abortion pill and I'm already having regrets. What can I do? Oh. Now, the good news is there's an abortion pill reversal. We've just got to get it out there. But if, if a woman truly, if this is no big deal, why does she pop a pill and instantly regret it? Regret it. And, and, and again, science, life goes back to prove God, his creation, his creation order, that the moment of conception, that woman is a mom. And now a brief message about 1819 News. Let's face it, 1819 News is here because the other guys aren't doing their jobs. Agenda-driven news with leftist ideologies sadly dominates the headlines. At 1819 News, we know you want the truth and that you can handle the truth. Our team of trained journalists work to earn your trust by bringing you the good, the bad, and maybe even the ugly. Check us out at 1819news.com for all the top headlines. Honest news. Alabama values. Let's return to the story. Do you, just curious, is there a ratio that you have as far as those willing, capable, now granted some of them may not, fall into the full category, but they're they're capable and willing to help families building blocks on this side compared to the, the number of women that are having an unwanted pregnancy. Like ten to one, five to one, anything right. like that? So I'm gonna I'm gonna feign ignorance a bit on the actual numbers of women that are having abortion because I'm gonna also believe that there are chemical abortions that are not being reported. Sure. So if you just look at the medical abortions, it's seven to one seven adoptive resources to one abortion. When you put in the chemical, I don't know where that goes to, but I've got to believe it's at least three to one, yeah. right? Where there are more resources uh, of families that are ready and willing. Now, of course, the other side somebody would say is, well, yeah, but once they adopt, 
who you're going to find the next year, right? But they'll be there. Those resources will be there. Again, like what Ashley said as well, when women are faced with looking at those life options, she's faced to make a decision for that child. And even if she parents, she's 50% less likely to have another child outside of marriage or outside of that support. So it's breaking cycles even for a woman to choose life uh, where it's it's enabling this irresponsive behavior when we allow them to keep aborting their baby. So uh, I do believe that there are more resources available for here on out here domestically for children versus the number of abortions that are being performed. Well, along those lines, Herbie, I mean, you've been at this for what, 19 years now? So I would imagine there's some people that come back now that were adopted babies that are now 19, 20 years old. And uh, do you get to see, do they come so far as to talk to you? Do you, do you have yeah. any of those stories? So, I mean, a couple of stories that just come to mind is, yeah, after 19 years, it's been interesting to even see the family the, the very first day I started Lifeline, there was a family that adopted and their daughter just graduated from high school. And so that's kind of interesting and neat to see these children. They're now graduating from high school. I think probably the most beautiful story in my tenure was one of the, the first cases I had when I started. And the child had been placed earlier, but there were some different legal complexities that were going on. And the child was actually with a couple that were missionaries overseas. And this birth mother was was so resolute about the decision that she had made. Beautiful young lady uh, came to know the Lord during the whole process. And about five years ago, she's now married, following the Lord, and she came back to adopt. And we were able to wow. help her adopt a child through Lifeline. So she had placed a child, and now she's an adoptive mom. And to see the love that she had for the birth mother that they adopted from was was overwhelming. And so, yeah, certainly I've seen kids, but even that life change, that cyclical life change that we see has, has been big. And then even some of the children, you know, probably one of the most emotional was a, a child and where we go to church, the baptistry, you, you give your testimony. And this child was profoundly deaf, adopted from China. And his mom was translating as he was giving his testimony in sign language. And one of the things he said is he hoped to one day be able to go back to China to share the gospel with those who were deaf, who might never have an opportunity to hear the gospel. So just seeing those stories of life change and, and the impact being so heavy on women and children that they now in turn want to go do something that's huge and something that's missional on behalf of others. Switching gears here just a little bit. Obviously, you, Herbie, and Ashley are a team. You know, this Ashley, your choice to help is the impetus, like Herbie described, for what you both are doing now. But you have three kids of your own. We do. And um, tell us about how you've incorporated your kids into this mission, mm -hmm. this family mission, really. Mm -hmm. um, and it has to do with children that don't have the parent, the, the mother on the other side or the adoptive parents on the other side. Yeah. So we just feel really strongly that, like you said, it is a, it's a ministry of our family. And so Herbie's been at Lifeline 19 years, Caleb 17. So our children know, know nothing other than Lifeline. And they've, we try to go to everything that we can go to every fundraiser, every event. 
And so through the years, we've just taken them with us a lot. So we also homeschool. And so that has given them a lot of opportunity to travel with us. And so two different summers, we had the opportunity to take them with us overseas. So I think it's nine years ago this summer, we took all of them with us to China and we were there for six weeks. And so in those six weeks, we were able to visit orphanages, you know, multiple times a week. And so they were with us when we were playing with orphans and children and and loving on them. And, you know, even at three years old, Emily, our youngest, was three at that time. And we got back to the hotel room one night and she started crying and I said, what's wrong? And she, she got it at three years old. She said, they don't have a mom and a dad who's tucking them in tonight. Mm. And so if a three-year-old child can get it, anybody can get it. Um, and so they just had been impacted by that. So six weeks of, of traveling around with us into those different cities and seeing those orphans, it really affected their hearts. And then four years ago, we went to the country of Colombia. We spent five weeks there and we went around training foster parents So trying to get locals so that it's not like, okay, here we're coming in as an American and we're going to tell you what to do. It's training them, indigenous people, to take care of the orphans in their country. And so that was part of the mission of our trip that time was to equip, the mission of Lifeline is to equip the body of Christ to care for orphans. And so we were equipping the church there. We had a church conference, and then we were also doing uh, foster care training. And they were also able to go with us into the orphanages there and see that. And so I think it was it was seven years ago, They they saw that we were exhausting our resources and trying to figure out like how can we, uh, who can we tell about Lifeline? How can we raise awareness and raise funds for Lifeline? And they came to me one day and they were had been trying to think of a way that they personally could help Lifeline. And so that led to us going to a park and them hosting a lemonade stand. And, you know, at first I was kind of like, oh my goodness, like I do not have the heart to tell them that $10 is just really not going to go very far. <laughs> yeah, right. um, but I, I, you know, I didn't have the heart to tell them that. But in sitting there, I mean, it was, you know, a hot summer day. So we had a lot of time to think and a lot of time in between customers. And they said, you know, like this is a really simple idea and it's not hard. And so we can encourage other families to do the same. And then it was just like this mini brainstorming session. Another child said, well, dad knows a lot of people we could ask if they could match what we make. And so then that night, the, we, we did a lemonade stand three consecutive days. And so the first night we, uh, when we got back home, we called uh, the development director at Lifeline at the time and said, hey, we have this idea. And what do you think about it? And let's call it Stand for Orphans. And so that night we bought the domain name for standfororphans.com and .org. And then now it's been seven years and $350,000 wow. later. That's a pretty um, good lemonade stand. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's some <laughs> fantastic tasting lemonade yeah. there. <laughs> so obviously that's not, my children have not, our children have not raised 350000 themselves. I, I'd like to make that clear. It's through encouraging others to participate and join us in and this effort. And matching and that sort of thing. But and, and matching. Hey, you got to start somewhere. That's right. That's right. Tell us where that money is uh, directed when they... So it just all goes to Lifeline, to general general funds. But the, So that could be helping birth mothers. That could be helping foster families. It could be helping 
kids around the world, um, those who are either going to be adopted or those who are not. There are 153 million orphans in the world and less than half of 1% will ever be adopted. Wow. So that leaves the majority not adopted. And so uh, 12 years ago, we started Unadopted, which is our ministry arm that cares for children who will never be adopted. And mm. that's to teach them job skills and life skills so that when they're released from the orphanage at 16 years old, that they don't go into trafficking and they don't go into drugs and alcohol. Right. And so the money also goes to help. We have projects all over the world and over 20 different countries. It looks different in, in different countries around the world. It goes to help educate and teach them job skills and life skills. But a lot of times it's the kids that have done the lemonade stands that actually are directing where they want that money to go. So, so we've had kids say, hey, I really want this money to go help orphans in China or orphans in Africa. And so a lot of the kids will direct it. And some of the kids will just say, I want this to be used for helping kids in whatever way is best needed. And finally, we also talked about Dobbs versus Jackson and the Supreme Court reversal of Roe versus Wade. Yeah, well, it's something we've been praying for for a long time. It's something that certainly we've hoped that we would be in this situation. At the same time, I think we've got to realize that the fight for life is not over, right? It doesn't mean that abortion is going to end in our land. It just means it's kicked back to the legislatures. Certainly there are 24 states we know have trigger laws that will have some type of restriction uh, on abortion. Here in Alabama, we'll, we'll have a total ban on abortion. That's something we were a part of with Arnold Mooney and, and, and with Rich Wingo when they put that through the House and then the Senate and the governor signed that. So those are good news. Um, so it's exciting, but it's also a reminder, even as we see picketing and we see riots of just how far this culture of death has infiltrated the hearts and the minds of the people in the U.S. Now, if it sounds to me like because of what Lifeline has already put in place and it is doing on a regular basis to all the different vulnerable aspects of women and children, that uh, you're, you're well poised to just continue plowing forward. Absolutely. So, Currently, we're licensed in 16 states, which means we have boots on the ground, real people on the ground in those 16 states. Over the last several months, we've really been planning on this day and have networks of people in all 50 states now that we're ready and willing. We've already never thought we would say this, but we've already worked with women in California now, which we're, is not one of our licensed states, Illinois and New York state. So kind of the three last states we thought we would be working with people, we've already seen opportunities to work. So we have been galvanizing for this moment, planning that it would come, but also realizing that even the states in the Southeast and even Alabama are not going to truly be abortion safe states, right? We've already seen Planned Parenthood is paying for women in Texas to go to Colorado to have an abortion. We see companies like Apple and Amazon and Starbucks and others say, hey, we'll pay for our employees to travel and have an abortion. And then probably the thing that most people don't realize is the biggest cause of abortion today in the United States is not medical abortion. It's now chemical abortion. Mm. And so and Planned Parenthood is sending pills to all 50 states right now through the mail to put them in the hands of women to, to end the life of their child. Yeah, yeah, that is, that's actually terrifying because, you know, once when you feel like you've got a victory here in this kickback to the states and the legislation put in place, then there's just, 
It's like evil finds another way to squ- squeeze through the cracks. That's and right. this abortion pill is is the next step. That's right. For for 19 years, we've been telling the church, right, we have to have action, political action, but we can't believe that political action is the only action we have to take. We have to be intentional on loving on the women that are in our sphere of influence, caring for them. We have to be strengthening our families. We have to be doing the things that will make abortion unthinkable and undesirable in our nation and politically being activists towards the laws that will help us to that end. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.